Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. It has been a really long time since we've done a little therapy check-in. We've been still going religiously every week. Um, And it's about time that we let you know what's been going on because a lot has changed for the both of us. And we think it's super valuable to share. But, of course, before we go in, we're going to start with our check-ins. Uh, Sasha, how how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, since we're doing therapy check-ins, it feels like such a loaded question. But I'm just gonna talk about it my does. physical stuff today. Yeah, I actually got a little sick, and I think I got a little sick because like I overworked my my body. I I lo- it's summertime, and I love to just like make plans and be out and say yes, I'm available. Yes, I'm available. Not recognizing that I don't have all the energy in the world. And what happened was my body was like, no, bitch, actually, you're not. And I ended up getting sick, which is quite normal for me when I stress my body out like that. But um, yeah, like it's, I'm just thankfully I took like two days, kind of rested. And now I'm just feeling a little better. And it's so hard to be sick because you're not just physically sick, but then you become like, um, how do you say that in English? Nyonya, like where you're like, oh, yeah, shoot, I do know the word for it. And I can't think of like it a, right now. Like, very childish. Like, but like whiny, like, uh, yeah. no, there's a word for it. But it's not I'm whiny. Kidding. It's not whiny in an no. annoying way. It's like, I just, you know, I want my mommy. <laughs> like, you want to be nurtured and spoiled yeah. and cared yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, that's how I'm feeling. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I think I was really triggered preparing for this episode so um for those of you who are new here my therapist allows me to record our sessions so I can have an opportunity to go back and listen uh it started out more because of the trauma work but as I went back to listen and preparation it made me sad because I think it just re-triggered a lot of the work a lot of the things that I'm still working on so it was like listening to myself and hearing myself cry I was like oh Damn. (laughs) So it definitely put me, I guess, in a bit of a somber mood. So really for for me, with the trauma work specifically, and I mean actually talking about my traumas themselves. As I've been working in therapy, talking about it, I've been really great about letting go of dysfunctional beliefs, looking at a lot of my shame and releasing it. But Something that my therapist noticed in the course of the work was whenever we would do the trauma work and then like, let's say something else happened in my life and we ended up focusing on that, whatever was happening in my life currently, as opposed to the traumas, she was realizing that I wasn't applying the same strategies and reframing of thoughts and examination in my personal areas of life. So I was really good at doing it when talking about the trauma but then 
not so much in personal areas of my life. So that's really been the work that I'm doing now. I will say since the last time we did a therapy check-in, I maybe did trauma, like very trauma-specific work twice since then. And then everything else really now has been a lot of unlearning of the negative behavior patterns and thoughts that I've learned and applied throughout my life, but were a result of the trauma. So the trauma is one thing, but what I learned as a result of it is another. And I think that a lot of the work that I've been doing recently has been unlearning. Some of the things that I've believed about myself as a result of the trauma are that I'm not good enough, that I don't matter, that I need to make myself valuable by doing things and being amazing at things, right? Like that's that's the only time that I'm valuable. Um, bending over backwards and being adaptable to other people so that they're comfortable. Those are some of the bigger themes. So I feel like now a lot of the work that I've been doing, even though it's not trauma specific, it's really um, examining all of those narratives that have formed as a result of the trauma, how they're playing themselves out in my life and learning to name it when it happens and taking action against it. So definitely not what I expected, but I'm really happy we got here because I I don't think I realized how much work needed to be done there as well. Mm. You know, a part of me, (laughs) I don't even want to talk. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) Just listening to your process brings so much shit up for me and my shit. So just for those who also are new, quick recap, within the last... I would say like six months, I really, it hit me, it hit me. And I was talking to my therapist about this. I've been going through a lot of changes. I got out of a three-year relationship. Uh, I moved abruptly out of the place that I knew best. And now I'm in like a different borough. It was just like a one, two, three decision because I knew I needed to change. So I did it. I knew people have come into my life. And that's a big piece because when new people come into your life, they bring new things, right? Whether it's good or bad. And um, I've been more purposeful with regards to what am I feeling? And, you know, it's, it's I'm kind of like in my head. I'm like this hermit living in my mind, like looking at the, the blackboard or the whiteboard, whatever. I grew up with a blackboard, uh, kind of <laughs> writing the notes down and organizing and like constantly needing to like label these things. So like a lot is happening. So in my therapy, I work a lot with my inner child, as my therapist calls her. It's little Sashita which is very cute and endearing. (laughs) It sounds so cute, but then I feel so bad for this girl, Uh, little Sashita. She is, she's in a lot of fucking pain. And I think that most recently, I would say within the last month, because of the things that I listed, the different changes, little Sashita has been going through it. And she is on like, she's on some next shit, like in regards to needing to be safe and feeling as though she's not feeling threatened. And when I tell you the amount of dissonance I'm experiencing has been disturbing to me because it feels like I'm not controlling my body. It feels like I'm not controlling my adult self. It's an understatement because the shit that I've been going through emotionally, it's it's a mind fuck. It's like whiplash. It's boom, back and forth, back and forth. But I could talk a little bit about how I got there uh, later on. But something that I did recognize that it's kind of um, jarring for me at this moment to even talk about, but I will just for the sake of the process and forever for anyone who does need it is the fact that I've been downplaying my trauma for my whole fucking life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that I had all these things that um, 
that needed to be resolved. Like I, I hear people talk about trauma. I, I've heard clients talk about trauma and I act like I didn't fucking go through trauma. So that's exactly what I'm dealing with now. So I feel like the, I guess the visualization that came into my mind is, I think it, it reminds me of what I said at the in the last therapy check-in where you're like, I'm gonna crack open the door and just like take a peek look mm. behind it and then when you crack it open it just swings open yeah and then just everything just comes rushing rushing mm-hmm. out and then it feels overwhelming and then it affects your everyday because you still have to like function and show up and work and friends but then you're also managing mm-hmm. all of the crap that just came at you that you weren't even really expecting and yeah and then you you want to resolve it while it's triggering the shit out of you and it's like yep. hold on like what came first the chicken or the egg like what the fuck am exactly. i <laughs> and i and i participate in the same process that you do this is, is it, i see it as this right all or nothing thing like if i don't fucking get it right the first time i'm shit i'm oh, my yeah. value is to the fucking floor like that i'm done like just throw me the fuck away <laughs> right That's how I feel. right no that's that's very real I don't think I was consciously aware of that but that definitely is my process too (laughs) um so yeah I mean I think on on theme with what you were saying I've also been becoming a lot more aware of my emotions as well as in in this therapeutic process I think that as I've opened try to crack open these doors and they've swung open because I've been feeling so overwhelmed, my coping strategy, like prior to really getting into this trauma work, has been to repress, compartmentalize, like this is here, I'm at work, so you know, we, we're gonna separate it, we're not gonna touch that while we're in this environment. I think it's made it very difficult for me to tap in. And now I, I'm becoming a lot more aware of my body my thoughts, my feelings. And I think I said this in in one of the earlier, earlier episodes of the podcast. I think it's made me sad to see like how many emotions I have. Um, Because I'm like, oof, like there's so much that I'm dealing with. And even going back and listening to the sessions, I'm like, shit, every week feels like a new challenge. Like every, every moment, I'm like, there's so many different things happening at one time. Like, how do you I'm obviously managing it so I know that I can do it and at the same time it's like but how how am I doing this but I think of the one of the ways that I've tried to help myself is to understand what's making me emotional so I have to be very intentional about exploring for me I I because I'm such a type a person and I'm very much like a then b then c first I'm like okay like my body feels weird something's happening. I feel tense. I can't focus. Or like I'm having a lot of anxiety, which I think I mentioned in the in one of the episodes that I have like mannerisms, like specific mannerisms that I'm like, oh, there's the anxiety. There's this, there's that. So now I've gotten a lot better at identifying those things. Where I'm working on is like, well, what's the emotion? Like what what is happening? One of the things that I've learn to pay a little bit more attention to is like let's say I'm trying to process with someone and I like start crying or my heart sinks or like I feel hesitation I'm like "Mm, 
this is where it's at. Whatever is coming up right now, like this is the emotion. These are the thoughts. So that that's kind of like what I'm trying to perfect now. And then obviously part of CBT is, um, okay, now that you understand the emotion, what's the, what's the ineffective thought and how do we change that? So haven't gotten there yet, um, but working on it. So you said something very interesting and I had a reaction to it. Trying to perfect, <laughs> uh, trying to perfect that process. Um, yeah, I think this is how we got into this. No, uh, sorry, because <laughs> that triggered me. Uh, <laughs> just pointing that out. Uh, there's no perfection, and I yeah, logically understand true. that. But yeah, it's hard because we we I I get you. I want it out the same fucking way you do. Like this shit needs to fucking leave. But in reality, it just needs to settle. That's I've come to terms with that. I don't know if I accept it wholeheartedly it's so funny that you were talking about that process of figuring out like where the feeling is because I literally wrote down you know ways to figure out if you're being triggered uh is there discomfort in your body without quote-unquote reason right like or conscious reason are the emotions bubbling bubbling up out of like quote-unquote nowhere and these emotions are sadness anger irritability loss of motivation etc and the next level is, uh, this is how it happened for me, actually, are your dreams. If you happen to be someone who remembers your dreams, they're very fucking telling of what's happening inside of you. And I think that it wasn't until maybe about three weeks ago that I had this very particular dream that I was like, holy shit, I have to address. All- I've never addressed these issues in my life. So really quickly, uh, it has to do with my dad <laughs> in the dream. It was confusing at first, but this is why it's good to know yourself, right? Because I'm constantly doing this like process work with my own self and like what things mean symbolically. I was on a plane with my ex-boyfriend, my first ex-boyfriend, and he was aggressive. He was an alcoholic in the dream. I decided to leave him. And then throughout the rest of the dream, I was running away from him because he was chasing me. And it was so weird because that's not who he was. And I know that for a fact, that's not who he is today. So please don't get it twisted. This is not a... A, a representation of his character it's just, it's just like how I'm manifesting certain things are coming up for me so after I, I had that dream well in the dream he caught me and he caught me right like I felt like he caught me I, I was running throughout the whole dream running away throughout the whole dream from him and um I called this person who's new in my life and it felt safe because this person in reality is safe and I didn't understand the dream at all but when I woke up I fucking realized I have issues with men, particularly because of my dad. And I mean, if you, I really do think that if anyone were to listen to this, they'd be like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. But uh, it fucking hit me that there's this whole chapter of my life with my dad. I've never acknowledged. I never allowed myself to acknowledge because uh, of the fact that he was, I grew up with a lot of abuse around me, a lot of violence. Um, I saw my dad hit my mom a lot um, and not just once, not just, um, no, it, and I'm so sorry to the people that weren't ready for this. Um, yeah, because I don't think I was. I It was constant fear. And then even when he left the house, it was this fear that he would threaten to take us away from my mom. And then I would see her go through her process. And, you know, like I was in constant fear of both my parents because my mom was also abusive. And I realized that I've never had the opportunity to just kind of live in the present which makes sense why I'm always assessing my environment now. And the person 
who's assessing her environment now isn't necessarily the adult me, right? The person who makes smart and thoughtful decisions for herself. It's that little child in me who's fucking terrified of not being safe. When I tell you little Sashita is fucking having it out, she's crying like like crazy. And the adult in me doesn't want to let her cry. Uh, so it's very, very strange. Um, it's been a very confusing state to be in. But this is what I'm working on right now in therapy with my therapist. Just cause it, She calls it like a purge, just letting it out. Yeah, I think that's a good word. So first of all, thank you for sharing that. Because I think it's also painful to bear witness. And not because I, I don't want to see you, but it's because I feel your pain. I think the empath in me like is like oh my gosh, like that, that's a lot. That's very painful. So I do want to acknowledge the strength and the courage that it takes to speak up about it and also acknowledge it and also be like, all right, like we're going to tackle this. We're going to do the work in therapy to, to, to look at this. Cause I'm sure it's very scary and very terrifying. Um, I think that in regards to, um, you know, like both of your parents and things like that. Uh, you, I think when you mentioned that your father was very abusive towards your your mother and that she mm. was also very abusive towards you, um, I feel like, and, and this is also because I know your family story a little bit better, so this is what's informing uh, this a little bit. I feel like a lot of the frustration and anger aggression and also the the loss of power um that your mm. mom experienced when she was experiencing this abuse like she regained it through you know like also uh, you know abusing you guys right it was kind of like she didn't have control in this situation with this man who's the father of her children but you all are kids so that's a way for her to regain and i and i'm i want to be clear that i'm saying this not as a criticism of her because i'm absolutely not um but i think this is a very human experience a lot of times yeah. that we unconsciously go through where we don't have power and control or a say, or we don't feel safe in certain situations. It's 1000% natural for us as human beings to look for that power and control in mm -hmm. other areas. Um, and I think that because you were kids, it was very easy for her to say like, all right, well, these are my children. Or if she's frustrated and you guys do like one little thing wrong, it's going to, you know, like she's already been bubbling over and it's going to trigger. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, so I just want to say it because I think there's a lot to be, there's even more than what I'm just saying to be learned here. So I just want to say thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you. No, I agree with you completely. And you know, like I, and maybe you could relate to this process too, which is in part why I think we do what we do and we're empaths, right? But also in part why we're so deep in our process and therapy right now, because when the people in your life who are supposed to give you security and show up for you in a healthy, loving way, don't, your world gets distorted. Your narrative of, and you spoke to this earlier, your narrative of yourself starts skewing t towards this version of the world that you need to make so that other people can feel comfortable, right? And I think a lot of my life, I did that for my mom and my dad, where I was just like, you know, I understand them. I get that this is, I get that this is what they were going through. But I think this is the first time for real, for real in my life where I'm just experiencing the emotions, not necessarily in a way where I'm angry, but just to kind of just in the in the sense that like, yo, like what I went through wasn't 
it wasn't fair. And not because it's me, but because nobody deserves to go through that. Going back to like the control and having power, I think bending over backwards is a way of gaining control. Because as children, you have very little control. Like, first of all, you're tiny. (laughs) You physically have no control. Like, you have a parent that's telling you what to do. So if you control your own self and you can use that to... I I don't want to say control like in a manipulative way, but if you can have a say in the environment around you, like if you make yourself small, if you make sure you do everything right, make sure you keep everyone else around you happy, then that's how you control whether or not abuse, violence, emotional abuse happens within your home. But it also reminds me of like the cycle, like how every person is trying to just make the best of a situation and how it plays into each other. Interesting. Yeah, I. you're right. It's control. And it's also a false sense of safety. Because mm-hmm. that Absolutely. control, it's, it's not real healthy safety. It's this idea of like, well, if I could rein this in and, and hold this, then I'll be good. You know, like I, as you're talking about getting into the trauma and what are the ways that it's coming up now I think for me a lot of like what I was saying earlier a lot of the consequences the end result of my trauma and how that's informed my behavior as I was listening through I was listening through weeks of of recordings I started to pick up on some themes that came up um, and one of them was negative confirmation bias which I think it is a direct result of the trauma. Um, And for those of you who don't know, negative confirmation bias is when we don't perceive circumstances objectively. And a lot of that time Mm. is because of how we grew up and because of the trauma. And, you know, we, you just heard it live, like how, you know, how that, (laughs) that happens. Um, So when you don't perceive circumstances objectively, you're biased towards all the negative information about a specific situation, right? So you, So whether it's how you believe you're being perceived, what you believe the end result of a specific situation may be, or just any negative beliefs about yourself alters how you show up in that space because you're automatically going to worst case scenario or like, I'm not Mm. good enough or this is the bad thing, right? So I've been working on removing that. I think that because of the trauma, it's so ingrained in who I am that when I heard my therapist say negative confirmation bias, I'm like, fuck, like, okay, like, I get it. Like, it's, yeah. it's bad, you know? Um, Almost so like it's an been, attack on who you are, essentially, right? Yeah, and, and yes, I, I, it does feel that way. And I, and that's also like, all right, it's not an attack. It's like, she's trying mm-hmm. to, you know, pick it up. And that, and that's part of me working through it, right? Because I could see it as like, oh, she's attacking me as opposed to, all right, she's kind of like pointing it out to that. I'm aware and I can catch myself when it's happening. Um, But I think it's been working. I think that working through my negative confirmation bias, I think one, being aware of what is the worst case scenario for me in my mind. Like, what do I think the worst thing that can happen is? And kind of coming to peace with it. And also realizing that a lot of times what I think is the worst case scenario is actually not that bad. Like, I think we mm-hmm. also project a lot more onto the worst case scenario than what it actually is, because it's like, okay, this worst case scenario, I'm going to still have a roof over my head, still have a job, still have food. Like, you know, like at the very least, I'm still going to have the very basics 
still available to me, right? So um, a lot of the projection is is what we what we perceive we're losing, um, and that can go, you know, if you explore it further, can be based off of like, well, what are my what are my needs as a human, right? Like, I think this is the worst thing that can happen and I can't tolerate it because I didn't have this growing up or I, I really need to make sure that I have that. So um, I've been working on on getting through that. So it's helping me get rid of my fears because I'm no longer thinking so much of the worst case scenario. And I think that I've learned to be a little bit more compassionate for myself in that process of like, oh, you were just scared. That's why your mind goes there. Um, so it's like, it's okay. It's okay to be scared. And it's also okay to bet on yourself. And it's still difficult to do. I think my default still very much is the negative confirmation bias. But I think it's ingraining itself slowly because a lot of times I'm having a negative emotion. And my first thought is, um, I'm using this as an example, but it's like, oh, you're so stupid. Like, oh, you really thought <laughs> you you were stupid for mm. thinking that that was going to work out in your favor, huh? Like, and now it's like that thought comes up and it's like, okay, you weren't stupid, but this is still painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's just a different way of showing up in the world. You You hit it spot on. You said what we perceive we are losing, right? We're losing our false sense of safety because that's all we mm-hmm. had back then to kind of keep us grounded. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people don't, you know, what we're talking about is trauma response between, mm-hmm. you know, and it shows up differently between the both of us. And I, you know, even stating that I have trauma up until this point, it doesn't feel like my experience of me. I've removed it so far. Uh, and that's how I coped, right? That was my false sense of safety. So like something I've been noticing lately more than ever is that I, I can't, like I said, I've been downplaying these experiences, but now it's kind of catching up to me. Um, and I've been recognizing two things, right? Like one, what, and I was, I'm going to say what we went through was not okay. Mm-hmm. And no one had ever told us that, but the direct result of that, of being in an environment where we're constantly in a state of fear, because we knew we couldn't trust the adults in our, in our lives, led us to kind of avoid all the feelings coming up in our childhood. Um, and stop me if this is not your experience, but and it was the way we coped, right? It was the only way we knew we were going to be able to get through it, right? But inevitably, what that did was it created this distorted image of who we are, right? Like blaming ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, pretending mm-hmm. that we're healthy. And repression is actually a very healthy coping mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very healthy. So here we are doing amazing things. No one ever taught us how to do it. So shout out to us <laughs> for actually engaging you know. because we could have easily <laughs> been borderlines. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Trust me. I had a whole time in college where I was like, I think I'm borderline. Uh, if you yeah, don't know what that I is, thought... it's a personality disorder. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely was like, there have been times where I would get such severe anxiety or anxiety attacks. I was like, that this is it. This is the part where my mind breaks and this is where I, I become insane. Like, this is this is where I lose it. Um, Obviously, that mm-hmm. didn't happen, but I get that. I also feel like if you think... I'm going crazy. You're probably not. <laughs> exactly. If it's like outside of yourself, your sense of self, that means you have the forethought and the the consciousness to to recognize your actions. And that's when you know it's not a you thing. What it's interesting, and I think this is something that could be really beneficial for a lot of people, right? Because Crystal and I do this thing between the both of us. This is how we function as friends, as coworkers, as whatever, right? Because we share this in, in, we have this in common. But for those who are like, 
going through certain things and don't really necessarily understand it. I, I always tell people that your feelings are going to catch up to you. And the reason is, is because you box them away. But then when you, even if you box them away and they haven't come up since you were little, you're going to eventually be put in a situation where they get triggered. So in my case, I got triggered by someone who's very healthy for me and his healthy energy was taking up too much space in the rooms that I packed my wounds away. That That's exactly what caused me to have this dream, right? And it's, a, it's such a weird experience because I think that a lot of us just want it to be done with uh, and just kind of like, but I, I, I haven't thought about that in years, but guess what? It's coming up and it started coming up in different ways. And going back to what Crystal and I spoke to, like, is it showing up in your body? Is it showing up in like random emotions in your dreams? Because these are very telling things. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think that our culture a lot of times does this thing where it's like, if it's in the past, leave it in the past. And it's like, yeah, you could leave it in the past, is it? but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to affect your present. And I used to have a lot of shame in having and in stating that these things are affecting me. And I remember conversations I've had with people where they just couldn't understand, like, why do you process these things? Why do you go back? You're re-hurting yourself. Like, in, for me, it's like, nah, I actually think I do it so that it doesn't run my life. And I really want to make that point. Yes. Um, I was shaking my head no the whole time because I was like, no, that's not right. That's not right. Um, what these people are saying is not right. Um, but I think another thing that we say is history repeats itself. Part of trauma work or just any sort of therapeutic process is when we experience a hurt of any sort, right? Like mm-hmm. no matter what it is. And you made an attempt at that time to mediate it, fix it, get through it. That wasn't necessarily effective, right? But you did your best. You will consistently find yourself, if you think if you think very closely and critically, you will find that you're repeating the same situation over and over again in different iterations with different people. And maybe every time you try to address it differently, uh, but you notice that it still continues to not work until you take a step back, say like, okay, like what, how have I been showing up? What is that's causing these emotions in me? Like, what's the what's at the root of this and how do I heal and make it make sense and how do I show up in a way that's healthy so I think that a lot of times when people say like the past is in the past like you don't realize that you may be repeating the past over and over and over again it just looks different you just you're just not aware but it's the same issues coming over up over and over again like oh I can't sustain relationships with people like healthy relationships with people it might, you know, one time it might be with a best friend, with a boyfriend, with a coworker, but it's the same problem. Like you still just can't sustain relationships with people. So what was the, the that root, like that initial like relationship that didn't work out? How did you show up? Like what was the, what did you learn from that initial situation and how are you replaying it in all these other scenarios? And I think that people don't realize that because I mean, I guess it's a very psychology thing, but now y'all know exploring the past is very important um so I think another thing that I noticed has come up for me um is that my philosophy in life is to treat people treat others the way that I want to be treated because of that and because I'm the type to make sure that I create a space where others feel comfortable for my false sense of safety Mm. that I create a space for people that they need and I hate it. I hate that I do that. Oh. Um, 
<laughs> and the reason being is not because these people don't deserve it, because they do. Um, but the reason being is because I feel like I don't get it back at work, which is where I really like discovered this. I I noticed that the staff that I supervise felt very comfortable coming to me with their shit. And I want to be compassionate, but I, but then I realized that with my supervisor, with my boss, I was like, ain't no way that I could go to them and tell them like what I'm experiencing and what I'm going through and how I'm struggling through COVID. And then I realized I was mad. Why do my staff get to come to me with these things and have space created for them? And I work with them to make it so that they can do their work and have the space that they need, but I don't get that same courtesy back. And I realized I was starting to become very (laughs) uh, resentful of that. So I, instead of jumping to the conclusion of saying like, fuck it, if I don't get it, I'm not going to give it back. I realized I was like, I need to create that space for myself. Like I need to communicate what my needs are. I need to say like, okay, you know, this is what I need. This is what I want. And like, ask for it. Cause I think another big piece of like making myself small and creating space for others, it like a, a big piece of what's missing. There's the communication part. All that to say, a lot of what I've been learning is what's the balance between showing up how I want to show up and what I think is right. Cause I do feel like, you know, my staff deserve the best version of their supervisor right like that can create the space for them and at the same time how do I then create that space for myself and how do I communicate my needs and how do I make it clear and 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 I'm lumping us together and I don't know if this is appropriate but like I know your story well enough to know that the the themes coming up are similar but the Mm -hmm. way it manifests itself is very different and so Mm -hmm. just FYI to people who are resident like if any of this is resonating within you your shit shows up differently than our shit, right? But the themes yeah. are kind of similar, and that's that's normal, just FYI, because sometimes people are like, we like to do this comparison thing, and mm-hmm. I do it all the time too. What you're talking, what you're speaking to is, again, that create, you know, you and I had to create this environment where it was quote-unquote controlled, the false sense of safety, where we could contain other people's feelings. And the reality is that we, like, listen, and... I did that shit in fucking hopes that, yo, my mother or my dad or any fucking adult at that would turn around and be like, look at what you're doing. You're fucking amazing. A plus. And this is where I get this all or nothing mindset. Yo, if I just be exactly who they need me to be, I'm going to, I'm going to get what I need finally. Because my shit's in the back seat, Not because I'm fucking amazing and I can handle that. No, my shit's in the back seat for now. And what it ha- what happened was my shit, t- it turned into my shit being in the backseat forever. <laughs> I was just about to say that forever. <laughs> and now, yeah. And now we're at a point where I'm like, no, like both of us. And I, I really do feel that we're both there where we're like, no, my shit deserves to be front and fucking center, bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and then I don't know how to manage those two because that little girl inside of me or the person who experienced trauma or those narratives that got created are like alarms alarms this is fucking dangerous because the last time you did that shit shit went really fucking wrong remember remember you saw your dad hit your mom remember you saw this remember you did that remember how you got yelled at for that and i'm 
uh and communication is a big piece to it because you have to create it right like now that we're adults in in this world uh, we have to learn how to create it but even the asking of it yo I can just imagine how it might feel for you because I know that when I'm at a point where I have to ask for something from my boss or just anybody in my life I go in shaking literally my hands are shaking that's how scared I am of it yeah and that's because your boss in that moment doesn't represent your boss they're not your boss in that moment they represent well for you maybe like your mom when you have to ask her for something and it's just like oh like you're not you know like yes you're talking to your boss in the present but in your mind you're talking to your mom (laughs) in regards to even the communication piece i think i finally got to the point where not speaking up finally cost me more than just speaking up so it just was detrimental to me to not say anything because it, it's scary to communicate, right? Like, even to how I was saying to Sasha, like, you know, like, it's not just talking to your boss. It's almost like your boss represents your mom in some way. I think that we also have to be able to discern that with some people, when you speak to them, it might not be successful. You might not get what you want, but that shouldn't deter you from trying again. Because some people are just by nature of who they are, has nothing to do with you, but by nature of who they are, they will never be able to meet your need. How I internalize that is if my needs couldn't be met, it's because I didn't matter to that person. And I, so I, I put it back on myself instead of seeing the person objectively and saying like, well, this person can't do that. And of course, when you're a child, you don't have the logic, you don't have the processing mm-hmm to do that but as an adult we need to be able to get that logic and not fall back into those old patterns so you need to be very intentional about finding those people that you can communicate with those people that can hold space for you and making Mm -hmm. sure that you learn the new patterns and behaviors working with them and not take personal when other people can't do it for you well, so many things are going through my mind. So one, I highly suggest that if this is confusing at all to people, because we keep referencing our past and our parents and all these things, um, please listen to our attachment episode, because I think mm-hmm. it breaks down a lot of what it is that we're talking about. It's called What's Your Attachment Style? Second, it's so funny that you're talking about like finding people who are healthier, because when you're used to shit, the familiar the familiarity can't say that word of the shit familiarity is, familiarity familiar familiar <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, the familiarity familiarity <laughs> you got it you got it no you got it I can't say this word. oh no uh, this could okay. be a blooper by the way uh. Oh my familiarity, God. familiarity, familiarity, familiarity. I can't say that word. Uh, I'm done. Uh, literally. So, so even when you meet uh, healthy people, the I guess the false sense of safety and what that brings to you because it's it's a it's safety, but it's not real safety. But it's what you know to be safe um, will kind of lead you to go back to the shitty people or like keep continue mm-hmm. to engage with them. Um, and then when a healthy person comes in your life and you're ready for them, right? Because the healthy person that I'm talking about, I'm sure if I would have allowed him in, I, I wouldn't even have allowed him in two years ago, to be quite honest with you, because I wasn't ready. Uh, even though I'm ready now, oh my God, the things that are coming up within me is crazy because 
I'm so used to this idea of what safety is and I'm having to relearn safety. I'm having to trust myself. Mm. And it's all very difficult for me because I don't trust myself because I'm always used to assessing my environment first, not me. So there's a lot of like reworking my, like the, the wires in my mind of like the steps that I go through in order to get this safety. But even when I, I lean in, it's really, really hard. I do highly suggest, and I don't know if this is a point that I was trying to make, but I do highly suggest like <laughs> recognizing that you have to lean into it. Um, and it's going to be scary. That's what I wanted to say. It's going to be scary. It's not going to feel like roses and butterflies in a garden. Nah, it's going to feel like fucking hell and like you're in fire, like literally. And I think a few points to what you said. I think one, it speaks to the value of doing the work, right? Um because you've been doing the work you're now at a place finally where you can see safety um Mm. and accept it into your life also you can see and be around someone who's safe and stick to it because i know you've been like wanting to be like fuck this shit uh (laughs) but you've stuck around despite (laughs) and not even fuck this shit because it's not worth it but fuck this shit because it's scary as hell like and sometimes Mm -hmm. being this state where things feel scary is hard three i think that also this piece around um familiarity of you sometimes gravitate towards what you know um what feels familiar to you if we do enough work as people Mm. on ourselves we can begin to discern what's false safety Mm. and what's actual safety and the reason why I say that is I think that if you're someone who's very intuitive and can tap into their you can tap into your own um self like into your body this false sense of safety when it's the same shit that we experience as a child a lot of times that lives in the gut Mm-hmm. So when you know when you you feel it like at the pit of your stomach or you're like ooh like something in in your chest like it's that sinking feeling that's usually when it's the same old shit all over again but when it's real safety and you're still in a panic because you're like wait what the fuck I don't know I don't know that lives in the brain that's mm-hmm. when you're like that's when you're in anxious thoughts where you like does this make sense? And blah, blah, blah. And you're going back and forth in yourself. At least I know that's how my brain works. <laughs> you're going back and forth with yourself and you're doing your best to make it make sense. And because this is unfamiliar, because it's it's healthy, or that's not what I'm familiar with, then it's like, oh, what the fuck? Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think that's also a good way to distinguish between what's the old shit, what's the old unhealthy shit, and what's new and healthy and safe, actually safe. As we speak, right, like, and and that, and this is the power of processing, and this is the 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 psychology nerd in me. Mm-hmm. As we speak, it, I'm like retroactively looking back, and holy shit, we've done a lot of fucking work. It's wild to me. It's it's amazing. You know what's funny? I'm like, yeah. And part of the work in therapy for me has been that I don't give myself credit at all for anything that oh I do. Oh my god. Well, I'm giving so I'm like, credit. So I'm like, yeah. Like, just say yeah, because that's the right <laughs> thing to do. Not that you believe it. Nah, wait. Yeah. yeah. Wow, you're doing the work. I want to explore it a little bit more, but I guess my guess on why that is, is, um, and I spoke about it in, in the session, was I think that, like, whenever I reach a certain place, I set the bar higher. 
And mm. so, like, I I will never reach that, like, bar. And, like, let someone else do the most minimal thing. And I'm like, yo, that was crazy. Like, I'll be, I'll be your biggest cheerleader. Like, she when reads. somebody does, I be hype. And, like, genuine, like, hype. I, I remember Sasha told me something, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get up. And I started running <laughs> around my living room because I was so excited. I couldn't even contain it in my body. Like, the energy was building up. But let the same shit have happened to me i would have been like yeah it's okay and i don't i i I think there's there's more to explore there but i thank you i'm i'm at least trying to acknowledge like okay yes thank you i will accept it something that i do want to say about accepting anything from like receiving in general and i think a lot of women have issues doing this um i don't know about men i can only speak through our perspective but think of it like this Imagine you give some, you, you buy somebody a gift, right? Christmas, birthday, whatever it is that you gave them a gift for, right? And you're excited to give it to them. And then you go, you wrap it up, and you're like, yo, like, I can't wait. Da, 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 da. And then you hand it over to them, and they're like, oh, thank you, but I can't take that. Think about how disappointed you'll feel as someone who mm-hmm. anticipated giving the gift, want, like, because there's a selfishness, and I don't want to say selfishness, but there's a, a self indulgence to giving as well. Right. Right. You're essentially you're robbing that other person of that experience as well. And imagine how you would feel if someone did that to you. So there's two things happening when you're not receiving. You're you're also not allowing the other person to give and feel that experience with you and feel good about themselves in relation to you. And you're also Mm -hmm. not allowing yourself to feel good. So it's it's never just you that you're doing that to. Mm -hmm. I like that. I'm going to sit with that. Thank you. What's a gem? Just like very quickly, um, because I wrote this down because I I feel like I need to journal on a lot of these things. But um, I was also writing down some other themes that came up for me, and I'm just gonna go through them quickly. Um, and Sasha, feel free to jump in. Um, so one of the things is exploring loneliness. Um, so accepting what that is. Uh, what control do I have over this? What can I do about it? working towards creating community, uh, hopefully finding a partner and dating. That's been one thing. Trust. Whew. That's been a big one. Um, I don't even think I've tapped the surface on that one, but what I'm realizing is that I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself. Therefore, I definitely don't trust other people. And because I don't trust myself, I don't believe in myself because I don't trust that I'm well-equipped or that I'm smart enough or that I'm doing enough work. Like, I'm always, because I'm always minimizing and, like, not taking credit for things, it's gotten in the way of, like, various opportunities um, and has limited what I think I'm worthy of and can do. And, again, it's just limited my ability to connect with other people because you have to trust other people. You have to have trust in order to be vulnerable and you need vulnerability to build uh, meaningful relationships. The other one is rejection. Uh, So that's been coming up a lot lately. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As I'm dating. And there's another thing that's going on in my life. I've been experiencing a lot of rejection. (laughs) It's just causing a lot. It's triggering a lot of like, I'm not good enough. You know, all of those feelings. I'm working towards showing up as myself. And then getting rejected. So I feel like it's personal um, when Mm -hmm. a lot of these rejections are not personal at all. But because of all of the things that it's triggering, it's causing severe anxiety, um, which has almost been crippling to a sense. Like it's affecting the way that I show up. So it's definitely a big theme I need to work on. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when I think about trust and rejection and how these things are popping up in your life. I don't know about you, but for me, I relate it back to this like all or nothing mindset that I have, because how am Mm -hmm. I supposed to trust myself? In reality, I know that I'm not going to have all or nothing like, oh, I could have nothing. That's my biggest fear, but I'm not going to have all. It's not a it's not a likelihood. Right. Like there's somewhere in the middle that I'm going to be at or kind of fall into. And that trust just fucks me up because it's like, nah, I need to, like, I'm trying to build that trust off of getting the hundred percent and the the end result that I'm looking for. And mm-hmm. that means that I'm not going to be rejected as well. Right. So it's like, you have to be perfect for everybody and everything and the way you show up. And it's just, it's fucking exhausting. And it, it, it debilitates your, your senses of trust within yourself and, and how you move and how you deal with like not being, not, not, not being accepted by people you don't even fucking want in your life. Let's just be real. Here. Right. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, why do I want their fucking approval? Fuck them. Like, I, I don't, it's mad confusing in my head sometimes. Right. And I think we always just want to be liked by everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no matter what you do, there is definitely going to be somebody that does not like it. No matter how great it is, even when 99% of people think it was great, there's always going to be that 1% mm-hmm. of hateration. Um, but anyways, but that does segue into the next theme, which is forgiveness. I think Ugh. in those moments, we just really have to forgive ourselves for for our faulty yeah. thoughts. Yes. Right? Because some of these thoughts are just super, they don't make sense. And that's okay. Because mm. they, it wasn't our fault that it doesn't make sense. They just, yeah. you know, a lot of this logic we're carrying from when we were a kid. Like, little Sashita, as smart as Sashita <laughs> is now, little Sashita, she wasn't that smart. And not because yeah. she was dumb. It was because you just didn't have, like, at that age, you weren't supposed to be equipped with the knowledge to make it make sense. And no one taught me or you. So how the right. fuck Any better. to learn? Ugh. Exactly. Exactly. So we got to forgive ourselves. With that, I think um, also forgiving other people. That's something for me personally that I have to work on. I think because I'm so hard on myself and because I don't forgive myself, when other people show up as humans, like depending on who it is, because if it's someone that's not super close to me, I'm very easy at extending compassion to them. But if it's someone that's really close to me, I set the bar high for them as well. Um, and I find it hard to forgive them because it's like, I let you in to my world and you fucking did this shit to me. Like, fuck you. Like, and, and that's, and so I, I have to, I have to work, um, work on that. I think it's also an excuse to detach because I think that like in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, I need an excuse to get the fuck out of this. So now I have it. Um, so yeah, I think forgiveness is a big one. So I I love the fact that you brought that up because I recently had a conversation with, uh, oh, my boy, Roberto, the my friend, uh, if you're following. <laughs> uh, and he 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 basically told me that I should forgive my 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 most recent ex-boyfriend. And I went the fuck off on him when I tell you. Like, <laughs> Roberto, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I did it in a very nice way, but I know that he was like, yo, I shouldn't have even gone there. I was like, excuse me, I'm not going to forgive him. Uh, there's a big part of me that doesn't give a fuck what he did. Like, it's not necessarily like, oh, you know, because what he did was hurtful. It was, uh, I took it very personally at first. And yo, people are going to hurt you. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to extend my forgiveness to you. You know what that means to me? I 
I won't just I like for me, you're done. Uh, and there that's a good reason to detach when someone hurts you in a way that there's no going back from. There's no coming back from. I think forgiveness is something that I give to the people who are worth it. Right. So Crystal, uh, different friends in my life, this person who's showing up in a healthy way, like if you hurt me, I'm going to extend grace and, and understanding that you're a human being and flawed just the same way I am. But it, once so there are certain levels of people that for me, like there's there's certain things, there's certain levels of the things that people do to you that for me, there's just no coming back from. So fuck you and your forgiveness. I don't need to forgive you. You just a non motherfucking factor, as me and my other best friend say at this point. Like, I don't need I don't even have to go through that. I give forgiveness to the people who are fucking worth it. So <laughs> I'm going to agree and disagree. <laughs> so I agree that there's definitely some people that I do not feel deserve any sort of compassion or forgiveness, like murderers, rapists, people like that. And then at the same time, I would also argue that I think that, you know, like what you, and, and this is coming from someone who hasn't fully understood it, but I think when they say that forgiveness is not for the other person, but it's for ourselves, like, and how do you forgive someone else uh, for the things that they do so you no longer like hold on to it? I think that there's mm-hmm. something to be said. I, again because i'm still working on the whole forgiveness thing i think that it's something that i still need to explore but i do feel like when you say that it's not personal i think that there is maybe something that feels personal or feels a little too close to home or that there's still some sort of like anger frustration like fuck you aspect to it that you haven't let go of it and i'm not even just saying you period like you in this specific situation and i don't think that you need to forgive him right now like i'm i'm good with you being like i i too want to tell your ex-boyfriend fuck the fuck off like no, sir yeah. like i can't stand you so, um, uh, so i do want to speak to that if that's okay because it's not necessarily i'm i the fuck you energy that you're feeling for me is a very distinct boundary where it's like you're never coming back to get my compassion I can't give that to you anymore. I, I'm not. I, I'm genuinely not bothered. I'm mad at the fact that people do this. Uh, I think it's ridiculous that we go around hurting other people because we're hurt. I, and that's mm-hmm. something that I'm, I'm very, I'm very conscious of not doing. Right. But there, there has to be a certain point in time because I've extended compassion my whole life. Look to my mom, to my dad, and and, re- and understanding them and creating environments that were better for them than better than me. Where I'm, this is my fuck you energy, not just to him, but to the world where it's like, no, nah, I have to put myself first. And that was fucked up. And I have to name what it is. And I have to be okay with that. And it does get me angry. But guess what? It gets me angry in a moment. And I'm no longer, I promise you, like, I'm, I don't know. I think a lot of people might just, they, they might feel otherwise, but I know what I feel. Um, it doesn't bother me that it was done to me. It bothers me that people are out here doing it. And so even more reason for me to put those walls up and say, you're not even going to get my forgiveness because I can't extend compassion to that. Because once I give you compassion, it opens up the doors for you to come back in to a loving place. So, so I thank you for clarifying. I think that's very helpful. Um, And I think that you're conflating two things that are not related. I think you can forgive someone and set a boundary. I guess so. I don't think that forgiveness I don't think that forgiveness means I'm gonna allow you back into my life as if mm. what you did did not happen. I think forgiveness is saying like is b- being able to look at it objectively, being able to understand, you know, like in in this in this 
specific instance like it was not about me and I'm going to let it go like I'm not going to continue to hold on to the anger resentment whatever other negative emotions come in but setting a boundary like that's just you know like when people say I'm gonna forgive but I'm not gonna forget that's exactly Mm -hmm. what you're saying like I'll forgive you but I'm not gonna forget I'm not gonna be stupid and let you back into my life because I know you don't know any fucking better especially (laughs) to this specific person but um so yeah, so I think that um, forgiving someone and then setting a boundary, those are not one and the same. I think mm. you can forgive and set a boundary and both of those things are true. Interesting. No, you're right. I guess, the, yeah, I think it's also the wording we use. Um, but yeah, thank you for that clarification. That was our therapy check-in episode. Uh, we hope that it was helpful for you all to hear a little bit more about our process. Um, obviously, continuing to get to know us a little bit better. So let us know what your thoughts were. Definitely check us out on Instagram at NeverToldThisPod or send us an email at NeverToldThisPod at gmail.com. And don't forget to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us. <laughs>